Welcome to Beyond Dollars and Cents. I'm your host, Dr. Lyle Bolin, and hope you enjoy this limited edition podcast. You can find out more about us at alleninvestments.com. Today, I am delighted to have a longtime friend and colleague here, Dr. Emil Hawkins. Dr. Hawkins, welcome. Thank you, Dr. Bolin. It's a pleasure. And, and you will have to excuse us because we tend not to be real um, doctor, doctor. Um, he and I both are known by students, by faculty, and to each other. Dr. Hawkins is D-Hawk. D-Hawk. Yes. And Dr. Bolin is Debo. I'm... Debo. I'm Debo. <laughs> so you'll have to excuse us if we, if we go into that. Yes. But uh, you've heard a lot of what I like to talk about if you've heard any of my other podcasts about kind of where your calling is how do you how have you been called to serve uh, how do you serve how do you find that path and what I'd like to have Dr. Hawkins talk a little bit about is that path that you've taken versus paths that you didn't take and and kind of the intriguing way that you have seen sort of the linear way that many people think about education and careers versus how it can actually work for many of us. Right, right. So let me begin with that thought. And first of all, again, thank you again for this incredible opportunity in another way uh, to share this time with you. And uh, this is totally phenomenal and I appreciate it. And so to even talk about that question, to speak to it, uh, my path is non-traditional. Uh, my path toward education, my path in life and even when we talk about marriage, which is traditional marriage, we've been married 40, my wife and I have been married 40 years, happily, may I say, happily married. Uh, that doesn't mean we didn't have any challenges. It just means that we worked through them. And the thing about looking back and paths in terms of service, um, for some reason in life, I've always been one who wanted to serve my country. So the first path, post, immediately post high school, as I signed up in the Marine Corps, my mother had to sign for me. I was 17 years old. My mother had to sign. Here I come home and mom, I'm going to join the Marine Corps. And they said, you got to sign the piece of paper because you wasn't 18 yet. And so being as the situation that was no problem, she signed on it. Uh, I was delayed entry. So they called it delayed entry program. I was able to six months between the time of signing on and the time I'd show up to Paris Island, South Carolina. And that began an understanding of what discipline was about, what service to country what sacrifice meant. And the service before self concept the Air Force teaches, I didn't understand it fully then, but I understood there was something bigger than me. And that's that beginning path of service is that whenever you're thinking about um, commitment, sacrifices, the question next becomes, is this bigger than you? Or is this something that you just can do with your eyes closed? And some things you do with your eyes closed, but it's interesting when you can do things that are bigger than you. So serving community, is next. So service to country, service to community. Of course, uh, from my background, service to God, right? For me, it was a big deal because if I can put those together, serving God, serving community, serving country, I felt like I had a triangular effect that would make sense to me in terms of how I would do life. As I portioned each of those elements, as I committed to each of those elements, Whatever it was that I was involved with, I found the strength to do other things because it wasn't about me. It never was about me. It includes me, but it was never about me. And each of those paths have all these years, you know, 40 plus years of marriage and, you know, two successful sons and families and grandchildren, all of this. But when you look at what you went through to get there, 
may have meant it was going to cost you something. Uh, there was going to be sacrifices. You have to let things go to do this in order to have that. Almost like the commercial that you hear, if you want to do this, you can do that. Almost buying the car idea that you may not get everything you want at this time, but if you're willing to sacrifice enough of your time, you will get it later. So it's still like paying dividends. It's, it's, a, it's an investment now that pays later. And one of the things that I find fascinating, and I, and I ended up not going into the military. Uh, I came from a family where my dad was totally disabled. My mom had never worked out of the outside the home until he became totally disabled when I was like four years old. And so I was thinking about the only way I was going to get a degree was if one of the uh, academies. And uh, so I actually was going to be go to West Point. I had taken my physical to go to West Point. And then another school offered me a full scholarship. And so I decided, all right, do I commit four years plus five more in the military or do I just take the four years yes. and not have any? And it was the same degree. It was engineering. At the end of the day, either place degree. I was going to mm-hmm. get engineering. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I chose not to do the military at that point, uh, did the engineering, which, by the way, non-traditionally, mm-hmm. my dad passed away and I only went one year then. And so we've talked a little bit about that I know. It took me 11 years before I got my bachelor's, and I worked and went to school part-time. And I think in your case— Took me 10. Took you 10. Yes. By the way, you mentioned you've been married 40. Yes, sir. Linda and I just hit 50. Yes, sir. (laughs) So we're about a decade apart here. Yes, yes, yes. But the the idea of service, how do we, we in in meeting and talking to other people— people listening to this program that hear your story, how is it that you can make some of those choices, which aren't easy ones? How do you, how do you get in the mindset that those trade-offs are worth it? So we have to think about priorities and values. Let's talk about values for a second. Well, everybody, all three of us in this room, everyone that would listen to this understands that we all have different values. We may share values, and, and hopefully we do share values, but concentrically, as you start to break and subset, break those down, you probably share a lot of things and then more specifically, few things. But those few things we find out or I have found out are absolutely important to me. And I may not be as willing to, you know, negotiate on some of those things versus some of the other things in my life. But here's here's the thing in terms of adults and adult learning and adults getting involved with things later in life as they desire. My wife and I figured out. I don't know how, but early that we were going to have to sacrifice a lot just to meet the minimums of what we saw our parents being able to do. Both of us coming from uh, non-traditional families, I don't really like to call them dysfunctional because somehow it the, the, it, we're it all dysfunctional. We are <laughs> said, all dysfunctional, mean? right? Because I saw, I saw, I saw couples together, and they were together, but they didn't like each other. I mean, so you know, yeah. But uh, she, she was primarily raised by her mother. I was primarily raised by my mother, um, and she had her father somewhat in her life. I've never had my father in life. Don't know him. As far as I know, I've never met him. But we decided that we needed to work hard just to meet the minimums of whatever it was that we could call success that apparently my mother had and that her mother had. But I didn't realize that this may mean, and this is the case in in my case, I may have to work two jobs. And my mother worked two jobs all her life. So that didn't 
come as a surprise to me. Every Thursday, all of my, every Thursday, all of my life, my mother worked an extra job cleaning house for an educator. Every Thursday, she worked for the state of New York. All the other days, she had split days off, Thursday and Sunday. So it was no big deal to me when it came down to what would it take for me to have any level of success? I may have to work two jobs because that other job may have, may have to be in play to simply help us have some of the levels of success we wanted. And my wife did the same thing. Of course, she took care of the kids while I'm working. And there was a time, Dr. Bone, that I only saw the kids coming and going, saw my wife coming and going, working, working 3 to 11, 11 to 7, over and over again. And then when the kids come home, you see them for a little bit, and then we're off to work again. So what I'm saying is sacrifice is variant, but it's based on those values and those priorities. What, what, I'd, li- what I'd like to talk to you after, after our break here is a little bit more of why you're willing to make those sacrifices. And we can, we can compare a little some of our notes again, mm-hmm. which I think will be interesting. But mm-hmm. I think this will be a good time. Let's take a break here. Welcome back to Beyond Dollars and Cents. I'm your host, Dr. Lyle Bolin. Glad to have you along for the ride today. Today, I've got Dr. Emil Hawkins here. We're talking a lot about different paths that we see and and how, even if you don't feel like you've had successes that you want, how do you get in the mindset to do that? And so you're talking about working multiple jobs. And uh, I can go back. I remember, I, I think I mentioned that it took me 11 years to get my bachelor's and and I was working in the grocery industry and I was getting ready to get a promotion to oversee 30 or 40 stores and be a a produce supervisor in the chain I was working with. And I realized at that point, I'd never taken any business classes ever. Mm -hmm. And, and so I thought, well, at this point, maybe I should, start an MBA and take a class or two before mm-hmm. I get promoted. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't sure I wanted to do that because I was going to be on the road a lot. And and at that point, our daughter was three. Mm-hmm. And it was like, do I really want to do this? But I'm going to at least find out. Because at that point, anytime we'd open a new store, I would go to that store and help with the opening. So they were getting you, you know, obviously getting me ready for something like that. And so the the sacrifice I made, I, I ended up, won't bore you with the details, but I ended up being invited to actually leave the company I was at and start a PhD program in finance mm-hmm. with zero business classes mm-hmm. and no masters, mm-hmm. one class in an MBA program. And I'm going to jump right in to a PhD program. So you talk about juggling. Mm-hmm. So at that point, I was basically driving 30 miles to the campus. Mm-hmm. I would go on campus and be there at eight on Monday morning. I would typically stay on campus until 9 or 10 at night. I'd do my classes. I'd go to the library. I'd do my studying. I'd go home. I'd go to bed. <laughs> I'd get up the next morning. And, and then Friday, once our last seminar was over at 4.30, I would head home. Mm-hmm. And I was home for the weekend. So I tried not to take any of my studies home right. to juggle that. Yes. Now, mm-hmm. that wasn't a whole lot of fun when you think about mm-hmm. it. Right. And and I bought a, a really good, inexpensive car to drive back and forth <laughs> every day, back and forth. And and so at the time, you didn't think at least I wasn't thinking about that. It was really a sacrifice. It was just things you had to do. Right. Yes. How, how did at one point I, I remember you actually ended up 
how many jobs at one time? Four. Four yeah. jobs simultaneously. I, I, I can't yeah. touch that. Yeah. Four four jobs. And to, to, with the point, Dr. Bolin, the, the motivation, because you were asking about the motivation, it's really difficult to explain to someone the importance of self-motivation versus external motivation. I had a lot of external motivations. <laughs> a lot of them. Children. Children, wife. wife you know. Oh, head. my gosh. Right. It just, they, just, they just come at you one way or the other. Mm-hmm. But something on the inside said, I want to do this. And I found that in terms of success, at least long-term success, it's the self-motivation that makes me do something much more and a satisfaction, you know, and points of satisfaction as well, than the external. Of course, I have the wife, I have the, uh, the children, I have the other things, but I'm motivated internally to succeed. And part of it was just recognizing I, I don't want to duplicate what I saw a lot happening in the community that I was. So how do I escape that? That may mean I have to do more than what I see other people seeming, seemingly doing minimally. And that was a lot of work. It was a lot of effort. But as I went to work, I started to find out there was one or two people that were also working two jobs. I wasn't alone. Uh, we owned our first home at 20. 20 wow. years old, we owned our first home. And you won't believe this in this day and age compared to then. This is 1982. My wife and I are purchasing our first home at 12.5% interest. I can believe that. I remember that. And it, we sold the house nine years later, barely moved the the, the needle at all, I think we walked away with a couple of thousand dollars and never, of all that time, we just didn't have the wherewithal to reduce, you know, pay against principal to reduce that. But here we're at a whole different place, three, four homes later, uh, each time getting better and better, mortgages better and better. But the thing was to stay consistent, to be both constant and consistent, to keep working hard. You may have to sometimes work harder than the person that you're, you know, uh, sharing a cubicle with. But your path, your efforts, I believe, are going to produce something that's different in your life by comparison to some things that are going on in other people's life. But it just takes work. And so for me, that was part of that effort is self-motivation. And I, and I think one of the things that I always try to think about in working with people that, that have been discouraged, and, and they'll say, I'm not sure I can make those kind of sacrifices, or I don't, I've never had the kind of success trying to do that and it's it's that there are so many paths out there that it that it really doesn't matter how many you missed right nobody's keeping track of nobody those keeps things. track of nobody those. Mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so wherever you are today you have an opportunity to choose a different path yeah yeah and mm-hmm. the the internal motivation that you may have lacked I hope by hearing some of these others can tell you that you have the ability. Mm-hmm. I mean, <clears throat> neither one of us mm-hmm. came from a background mm-hmm. that you would have ever expected mm-hmm. to have much success. Right. And, right. and I don't right. mean that in a bad way. I just sure. mean, sure. you know, you, you came mm-hmm. from a sl- single paradigm, yeah, a slightly dysfunctional. Yes, yes. <laughs> I I grew up yes. uh, in a family where. My dad was totally disabled. Mm. He was in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. My mom worked part-time at the post office. Mm-hmm. We never had any money. Mm. I remember 
yeah, when I had my growing spurt where I grew six inches one summer, oh, that the oh, pants I wore to goodness. school yes. were pantaloons uh-huh. when they weren't in style. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> trendsetter. We just say trendsetter. I guess I was a trendsetter. <laughs> That's what your mom probably yes. told you. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, but I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. And so I, I remember choices I made along the way that I wish I had made in hindsight, had done different paths. But the point is, is that if you still get into the idea that we are all in a community, yes. we may look different, mm-hmm. we may all have different backgrounds, mm-hmm. but we're all of one community. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and that means that in essence, if we're part of the community, we owe it to serve. Yes, yes. And when we start thinking about that service internally and new paths, mm-hmm. that you can make different choices. Right. Zig Ziglar. I don't know if you remember him. I do remember Zig. He said something once, and I listened to a lot of his um, cassette tapes back in the day. I'm dating myself, right? right? Cassette tapes. He said on one of his motivation tapes, I'll never forget it. He said, you can get out of life what you want if you're willing to help enough other people get out of life what they want. Yeah. And when I heard that in terms of serving, in terms of right there in your workspace, what can you do to help someone who's challenged with a certain job that they're trying to... Now, quote-unquote, it's not in your job description. Quote-unquote, it's not what you're supposed to do between nine and five. But what I also learned, if I could learn something about helping them do what they have to do, it's also adding value to what I do. And maybe at some point, when things are at the cut, when monies are difficult... The organization may consider keeping you on because you have this value, knowledge, valued knowledge, uh, two in one, three in one sets of things you can do versus what someone else. And what you've done is you've served, but you've also added value to yourself at the same time. But the focus is on serving. And, and I think that's the other thing is uh, a lot of people talk about having their plans, having a five-year plan, for example, one-year plan, five-year plan. And I think it's important to have the plan, sure. mm-hmm. but I think it's also important to know the chances that that plan working the way you have it planned is like zero. Zero. Yeah. It's equally important to be flexible. Oh, at gosh. the end of the Absolutely. day, Absolutely. You, I mean, it yes. is. Yes. You, you, it's less stress on you personally. Yes. I think the ability to plan is important, mm-hmm. but the ability to then adjust as things are different. Mm-hmm. Right is is even more important. Right, you know, mm-hmm. in 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 my world, talking about finance, I always, always have said, and every student I've ever had would know what I said was there are no future facts. Mm. Now I do preface that I said mm-hmm. actually Jesus would know, but he hasn't <laughs> ever been involved in investments. That <laughs> right, I investments, know yeah, that you know. <laughs> so. But there are no future facts. There, there's probabilities things mm-hmm. will happen, right. and there are things that you can do. Mm-hmm. But I really like what, mm-hmm. the way you put that is whatever position you're in, when you're listening to this out there today, whether it's, whether it's on a website, whether you're hearing it live, as you're listening to this, if you convince yourself and can honestly tell yourself that whatever it is you're doing now, you're doing to the best of your ability, then that also translates to helping other people. Mm-hmm. And as mm-hmm. you do that, that's when those other opportunities are, are going to open themselves up and right. other doors are going to open. Right. I, I jotted something down a minute ago as you were talking. I said, don't think of a path 
as linear and two-dimensional. Think of it as three-dimensional. It can go up, it can go down, and you're simply going around a roundabout, picking which path you take mm-hmm. along the way. Mm-hmm. Some go up, some go down, and some say, it's time for a break. Mm-hmm. So let's take a little break <laughs> right now, and we'll be back short. Welcome back to Beyond Dollars and Cents. I'm your host, Dr. Lyle Bolin, and with me today is a good friend of mine, Dr. Emil Hawkins, who has done amazing things with the doctorate in strategic leadership. And uh, when we talk about service that we've been mentioning and helping people reach goals, talk a little bit about all of the, the things that get in people's way when they know they still think it's time to do that doctorate. So the challenge is obviously we can say from an academic standpoint that our university or any other university, typically you got to have the bachelor's, you got to have a master's to begin. That's the, the typical. But what we're talking about on average is a 60 credit degree that most people who sign up don't necessarily need. They want it. They don't necessarily need it. But if they need it, we can understand that certain jobs may require, like if you want to be a full-time professor, um, the doctoral level is the terminal degree for several um, positions in the university, yes. <laughs> depending on where you work, uh, and say, okay, now you need to have this. So here's the challenge that I find most students have. I just had this conversation with a student just days ago. Is they're thinking about cost. How much is this going to cost me? Barrier. possible Potential barrier, number one, is cost. Potential barrier, number two, is time. How much time am I willing to invest in order to have this future outcome? The third thing is the sacrifice can tie to time is what am I willing to give up in order to have that future success, right? So that may mean I'm not going to be able to spend as much time as I've spent in the past with family, friends, or other things I may do. How do I, can I minimize it? Can I minimize it? and still be a participant. The reason why I bring that up, I'm starting backwards, I'll go back to the front. When I enrolled in my doctoral program, my sons were both graduating from high school and starting the military, uh, the Navy. My oldest son is a Naval Academy graduate, right? So we realized that at this very point, I'm not required to spend as much time with them as I spent in the past, but for those students, potential students who have young children, can you still spend time or can you then um, if you will, enroll the efforts of others to help you because you may need mama to help you out or grandma to help you out or neighbor to help you out, sister, sibling, just because it takes a certain amount of time to enroll in that academic degree, whether it's a master's or a doctorate, it's going to take more of your time. Now, if I can pause right there, those of you that are listening to this that are thinking, well, the last thing on earth I want to do is go get a doctorate. What I think is important that he's talking about here is that no matter what it is you want to do next in your life, the analogy that he's talking about works. It works regardless undergraduate, as we mentioned earlier, it took me 10 years. It may be the next job. It the may be job. a promotion. Yes. It may be a vacation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that you're saving for. Yeah. But but I just think that the wisdom that you're hearing here from DHOG mm-hmm. <laughs> applies not only if you're thinking about an advanced degree, right. but just choices exactly. that you make. Right. Uh, you, you're talking about managing time. Yes. One of the things that struck me a little bit ago when you were talking about managing time is that I think of time, it's it's a stream. Mm-hmm. Time is a stream, and to manage time mm-hmm. requires you to know how to build dams. Right, right, right. 
You've got to be able to put some walls up around some How things. How do you put some walls up around mm-hmm. those things? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Boundaries. Yes. You, uh, my, my wife was a wonderful um, supporter of all of the degrees. She's the beneficiary, obviously, <laughs> of it. But she was willing to sacrifice along with me toward this future outcome. And this is what I'm saying. Whether it's a home, you realize you, gotta, you have to give up some of the discretionary spending that you were putting in other spaces that now need to go into the bucket that's helping you prepare for your future home. Sacrifice. You realize that if you want a successful marriage, a successful uh, attempt at any, any enrollment in any, whether it's vocational or uh, traditional academic, there's some things you have to give up. And that's the hard thing even in this particular day and age. Mm. We are expecting everything to just kind of come with us and go with us and everything be fine. But what are you willing to give up in order to have this future success. And so each of those areas, no matter what it is, if we had more time to talk about it, I would tell you know more specifics, but it's difficult. But the sacrifice will uh, bring about uh, a benefit in a, at, at, you know, at some later date. We don't know when that date is. We'd like to be, that's why traditional students, Dr. V, I tell them, I say, well, they call it a four-year degree because it's supposed to be done in four years. But there, that does not mean your education is going to stop at graduation day. In fact, that's why they call it commencement. It's actually when the rest of your education will begin. How do you face and, and work with people when the, the, the fear that they're facing of this mm-hmm. huge, whatever the task is, yeah. how, how, how do you get people out of that mindset yeah. Yeah. to think about something other than the fear and how to face those fears? Well, sometimes we have to talk about what's the goal. Yeah. What are you trying to accomplish? And do you realize that we have to think about this future date and back it up, come back to the fourth year, which is now we're here, thinking about the future. And sometimes, this may sound strange to some listening, the older the student is, sometimes the harder it is to convince them that is, that is doable. A younger mind might be more open, but an older person has been through some things and have had some barriers that maybe didn't work out the way they desired. What we're trying to help them understand, whether it's the master's or the doctor, or even a, an adult student going back to college, after some break is to get past some of those hurdles in their mind to think that they can't do it. What we try to convince them about is the things you have done that you've been successful. Let's transfer that success over into this environment and whatever it took for you to succeed there, that same type of effort may may be needed here. And the proof is you can do it. You've done it there. Let's do it here. And I think that's, I think that's why this is so universally applicable because whether you're thinking about going back to school or just changing careers, right? Maybe uh, you're, you're trying to think about you want to go into business for yourself. Well, are you ready to go out and get into a, a business that you really haven't ever worked in before, even though you've been successful somewhere else? Well, maybe I can get a chance to work there and actually almost be an apprentice to that other position for some period of time to figure out if it's really what I want to do. Uh, we talk about, I, I know I changed gears there, but we talk a lot about business succession being a problem now mm-hmm. with the baby boomers. And mm-hmm. what if they don't have kids that want to take over that business? Right. So there's a lot of businesses out there that what are they going to do when they're ready to sell them? Mm-hmm. They're successful businesses, yes. but they're, they're, I don't want to say mom and pop because, I mean, that's kind of what we end up calling them. Right. But but how do, how do you get that business to continue? And there are other people out there that would love to have that business. So 
one part finding the other, saying, well, come in and work here for a while, put in some time, put in the apprentice, you now have got your job, but you're also potentially going to be able to help that business owner carry on their business to sell it to you, and you're going to find something that might be rewarding in a business that you've wanted to try. Right, right. Right. And and that's educational, but mm-hmm. it's not going out and getting another degree. Right. But it's the same mm-hmm. sort of transfer of skills mm-hmm. that you've done before. Yes. I, I just I I I think the thing is is a lot of times we'll hear we're talking about higher education. We're talking mm-hmm. about getting degrees, mm-hmm. and you're thinking, well, I don't I don't have mm-hmm. a bachelor's degree. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I felt like I was lucky to get through high school. This right. I don't same here. To, I don't <laughs> I don't I don't want to listen to this anymore. I don't right. know that that applies, right. and but it does. Yeah, because we could be talking about the job at, exactly the job. Sure. at every level, mm-hmm. at every level. Mm-hmm. This this sort of attitude of how do I get? And again, I I've talked about this in the past. How do I get these lifetime experiences? that keep building mm-hmm. as I go through my life mm-hmm. with my friends, with my family, with my community. What are some of the the tricks, if you want to call them tricks, that allow you to do that? Yes, yes. And I've heard, you know, many times if you're our early days of our, our early employment, one of the interviewers would typically ask you, where do you see yourselves in five years? I've learned to answer that question better over the years. Not just that I want your job in five years, but I hope to have learned the kinds of things that you as an employer hope to teach me. And I hope to have deployed them in such a way that you won't let me go in five years because I have become a valuable uh, asset to this organization. That means a relationship between you and I. That means each time and each opportunity, we take it to the next level. And that's what I think each person listening can understand. It doesn't matter whether it's education, whether we're talking about some go on vacation a year from now, to, you know, there's something that's going to cost you. It just takes the effort put together with a plan and over time hope that things will come to fruition. Well, think about how you can do that very same thing with your community. Mm-hmm. Where do you want to be in your community in five years? Well, mm-hmm. what can I do of value to the community mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. that will make this a place that I want to stay? Yeah. I, I, I think attitude is so important. I, I go back to an old saying, and I'm from the Midwest, so yeah. the, the, this is the way that it was given to me a long time ago was it was somebody was moving to another town. They'd lost their job and they're on their way to another town Mm -hmm. and they're walking by a farm. Mm -hmm. I'm from Iowa. Mm -hmm. There there are a lot of farms. Mm -hmm. So I'm walking up the road to the farm and I'm getting near, getting near the new town. And I see a farmer out in the field and I call the farmer over and I said, you know, I'm just coming from such and such a place and I'm moving here. How am I going to like it? Mm. How am I going to like this town? Mm-hmm. And so the f- farmer said, well, how did you like where you were at? Oh, I loved it. I had good friends. I was active in the church. It was a great community. I hated to leave it. I really liked it. And the farmer said, well, you're, you're going to like it there too. Then. You're going to love the new town. You'll fit right in. About six hours later, somebody else is walking about that same farm, also getting ready to go to this new town. Again, farmer's still in the field, right? Calls the farmer over, says, can you tell me, how am I going to like my new town? I've just, I'm just leaving. I'm getting ready. What can you tell me? And, and same question. How did you like your last town? Oh, it was so clickish. I, I never felt like I fit in. It just, it was, I'm so happy to be leaving that. And the farmer looked at me and said, well, I'm sorry. You're, 
you're you're going to find this town the same way. <laughs> it's so much by what you put into it and sure. your attitude in For life. Sure. It's mindset. It's mm-hmm. mindset. And and you know, mindset is it has to be at least ninety percent oh of anything you take on. Yes, it doesn't matter mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. your skill level is at. Mm-hmm where you want to go mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it really is about mindset it is, it is. at any age at, age, yes. at any mm-hmm. age yeah. and yeah. it is genderless it yes is, i mean right. it's free of religion it's all it's well, just all everything mm-hmm. going on between the ears yeah, yeah. right in the marine yeah. corps we heard that from day one mm-hmm. about what you allow to get in your head and zig ziglar again i'm back to him because it's resonating with me again he said you are who you are you are where you are as a result of what you have allowed to come into your mind. Mm-hmm. It didn't make sense to me when he said that many years ago. So I started to realize, oh, so I'm having opportunity to interact with people who are smarter than me, who have had different exposures than me, who look different than me. And each time you recognize that and reconcile with that, you are probably moving yourself up in another dimension in terms of how your mind is changing. And your attitude, and attitude, old military attitude, is altitude. Mm-hmm. You change the way you think, you might take yourself to another altitude. And even though this sounds like things you may have heard before, and you've had setbacks, that doesn't mean that you don't have those same opportunities oh, going forward. We've all had those setbacks. Yeah. It's, it's changing that attitude. And so when we come back after this very last break, I want to talk and have you talk a little bit more about those sort of things. We'll be right back shortly. Stay with us. Welcome back to Beyond Dollars and Cents. I'm your host, Dr. Lyle Bolin, and with me here today is a good friend and colleague, Dr. Emil Hawkins. And we've uh, we've been covering quite a bit of territory here about serving and everything. And what I'd, what I'd like to have you talk about in this last segment is leadership, but leadership as how we all have different places and times and circumstances where we have opportunities to serve as leaders, even though we may not have a title that would imply that. Can you, because mm. you've seen that mm. over and over uh, through the years. Most of the, my experience, I can't speak for everybody, but most of my experiences were without titles. But the people, the colleagues, the coworkers seem to know who the leader is. When they come into the scenario, who do they reference when they want a question answered? May not have a title. Uh, Who is it that's making things happen? May not have a title. Titles are great. We get the point, right? You need to have somebody who's the point person, almost like the basketball court, which you well know. (laughs) Uh, You got to have a quarterback. You got to have, you know. I was the dumb post. Yeah, yeah, well, see, the post. That's right. You got to, but somebody has to manage the activities or at least have some sense of how to meet a goal. I get it. But in my case, most of the time, it was, with, it was without the title. When the, by the time the title came, it, to me, it was, oh, okay, you're giving me something, a tag to put on my, and maybe 5% more or something. That's great. Um, but what I'm talking about is relationships. Leadership, in essence, in my opinion, is about leader self then leadership, meaning you have a corporation, you have two, three, four, five other people. Because if you can't lead self well, you may be leading a ship, but I feel and have found, history has proven, 
that sometimes the, the destruction happens when the leader self is not taken care of. So in my opinion, leadership is obviously what we all pay. In fact, it's probably next to the Bible, probably the one of the top selling book titles or subjects in the entire world. Companies spell, spend multiplied millions on leadership uh, orientations, education, et cetera. But what I found, uh, Dr. B, is that people are looking for authenticity. People are looking for someone who's genuine. People are looking for someone who can be, if you will, a uh, servant leader, can lead and serve at the same time, take care of the people. Uh, not necessarily transactional, although we know we need some people who are transactional, but more so transformational in a way that they are relational in terms of meeting the objectives of that organization, whatever yeah. those goals are. But at the end of the day, the, the, to me, the leaders that make the greatest impact are the transformational leaders who took the time to relate, to converse, to communicate about the things that are important to the followers. Because you'll find very few books, sir, on followership. And that's the key, because if the followers don't think that you're a leader, then what kind of leader are you, really? No, exactly. And I think, uh, and I forget who to give this credit to, You've, you're more widely read in this area than me by far, but, but the, unless you learn to be a great follower, mm -hmm. you'll never be a great leader. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that, to me, is key. And, and, I, mm -hmm. and I do think mm -hmm. that, that's, that's really key. That's so key. interesting. You don't find books on followership. Mm -hmm. I've never looked at it from that perspective mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. that's very very true yeah yeah what do they think about your leadership and we're scared to ask them we're scared to ask to get the feedback if you do a 360 feedback and include followers in that in that circle of individuals you've asked about your leadership style and effectiveness if you'd include a few people who work for you or have to you know answer in your chain of command in the military you might be quite surprised at how you think you're leading is not how they think you're leading and perception and is perception reality. Is reality. Yeah. <laughs> that For means. sure. You can't fight that one. No, no. No, and it's and that's so true. I mean, and that happens at a different level in corporations because oftentimes, let's say if in, in a manufacturing type business, what people that are in the C-suite think is happening on the floor and what the problem is with their company isn't what they think it is at all. Right. If you go down on the floor and talk to the people that are actually doing the manufacturing, mm -hmm that are working on the equipment, right, right. that are on the line, mm -hmm. they'll tell you what the problem is. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. just that nobody ever bothers to ask them. Those are the followers that aren't really following mm -hmm. the leadership because mm -hmm. the leadership hasn't ever taken the time to ask the right question. Right. And I think at the corporate level, at the family level, at the community level, thinking of yourself as how to be a better follower. Yes, 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 absolutely. Because in my opinion, most of the opportunity you'll get if you're a younger person, uh, we were talking earlier about, you know, our, our kids when they're young and at the academic institution, they are at the greatest space to learn at my expense, learn at the institution's expense, because at some point you're going to be completely responsible for your life more so than now. Well, now the question is, be the best follower, be the best student you possibly can. And if you're the new person on the job making minimum wage or less than others, don't look at it in a disgruntled uh, fashion. Look at it as opportunity to grow. I'm here to learn everything. It's not costing them a lot for me to be here, but at some point I want that it to cost them more because I become more valuable to them. That's still going to take an effort on your part. Don't expect everybody, just because you have a four-year degree, don't expect them to pay you the top dollar. What do you know be, in many cases besides the academic knowledge? 
in some cases they had internships and they value, and that was that would be my number one way, yes. right? But m- many students just think that uh, they ought to automatically get X dollars upon graduation, which doesn't always turn out to be true. And and paying attention to those that you're follow that mm. if you're a follower, pay mm-hmm. attention to mm-hmm. those above. Yeah. One example that it completely blew me away when it happened. Um, I had a student once that was thinking about a particular major. And there was an organization that I could take them that, that had that particular group met. Mm-hmm. It was of that organization. So I thought, I asked him, I said, would you like to go over with me to the, the monthly meeting? Mm-hmm. I'll introduce you around. Mm-hmm. You'll hear a good presentation. You'll know a little bit more about what to be this type of job and career is like. And he said, I'd love to. So we went over, we drove over, uh, we went to the meeting. It was actually a very good meeting, very nas- a good national speaker. Uh, he, he got to meet a lot of the other people that were there that, that already had been successful in their careers. And, and I mean, I was the professor teaching. And so we're, we got in the car, we're coming back. And I, and I asked him, I said, what was it that you learned most tonight? And the thing was that shocked me is you have to understand, I'm not a big drinker. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just never have, mm-hmm. right? And so what he said was, I was most impressed with how you turned down not having a drink, never having a drink, and didn't seem awkward because I don't like to drink either. And I was wondering how I was going to handle myself on mm-hmm. interviews in those situations. Mm-hmm. 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 Now, where does that come from? Other than he was picking up on things that were important to him. him. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That I didn't know was important to him. Right. But... You can serve as a leader mm-hmm. in ways you can't ever imagine. Right, right. And that's the beauty of always trying to do the very best you can because you never know who's watching that's right. and who's learning. That's right. And with that, I want to thank you for joining us today. If you would like to see more like this podcast, please go to Boland's Alley at alleninvestment.com. Thank you. The opinions voiced in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult with an appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision. Guests appearing on the show and their respective companies are not affiliated with LPL Financial and Allen & Company. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor. Member FINRA SIPC.